Here at HorrorOasis.com, we are advocates of the horror genre and strive to amplify underrepresented voices in the horror community. This space is for indie artists to promote their work. Please enjoy your stay, and hopefully it's not your last. Spacefaring researchers disturb an ancient horror. An enchanted object curses a grieving widow. A haunted reel torments a film student. A murder trial hinges on a chilling testimony. Howls from Hell. A new horror anthology from Hal Society Press. Stephen Graham Jones calls it quality horror by true believers who can write. With a foreword by Grady Hendrix, Howls from Hell unveils the horror writers of tomorrow with spine-tingling stories from P.L. McMillan, Shane Hawk, J.W. Donnelly, Lindsay Ragsdale, Amanda Nevada DeMille, and others. Available now in paperback, ebook, and audiobook from Amazon and most other major booksellers. Howls from Hell. Welcome to Dead Headspace, a part of Silver Shamrock's Horrorcast, a podcast network that includes Killing Time with Silver Shamrock and Unburying the Dead, where we exhume classic horror paperbacks for the new generation. I'm your host, Patrick R. McDonough, joined always by my co-host, Brennan LaFaro. Say hi, Brennan. Hello, everybody. And today we're mainly focusing on mentorship with Lee Murray. Did I pronounce your surname correctly? Yes, that's fine. All right, and... I'm gonna, I should have asked both of you before recording, but we are recording. So, Darren Kapoff, did I pronounce your name correctly? Nailed it. You nailed, nailed it. it. All <laughs> right. So, we're with uh, Lee Murray and Darren Kapoff. Uh, say hi, guys. Hello. Hi, everyone. We would love to know, and whoever wants to answer this first, first go for it. What got you guys into horror? Mm, go ahead, Darren. Oh, wow. Um, well, I am fairly new to horror. Um, I've been a reader for forever. Um, but it was honestly my friend Kevin who introduced me to um, independent horror novels. Um, Jonathan Jan's Children of the Dark was my first uh, first horror book I ever read uh, like two years ago. <laughs> um, it just he he constantly told you know would talk about the books that he loved and uh, he he had read a short story I had written a few years prior that was horror and he really liked it and wanted me to just sort of dive in with both feet and and you know take a, take a stab at it so fantastic how about you Lee yeah I think I was kind of raised on um, horror you know Pinocchio and Grimm's Tales and stuff like that you know and I always say you know there's 
there's nothing like you know a, a, a cautionary tale for children that involves skinning skinning child, badly behaved children and making them into drums. Um, so I kind of you know I think as children we're kind of raised on it uh, to a certain extent. But I started my writing career as uh, a ticklet writer. <laughs> I wrote a, a really fun, you know, I, I kind of got sucked into that, you know, write what you know. And um, so I wrote this really fun ticklet um, story and and it did okay, you know, and it was it just was great fun. I learned so much. I learned so much from doing that first book. But I realized in the process that actually I, I didn't want to write about wardrobe malfunctions and, you know, cupcake deprivation. I actually wanted to write about really meaningful things. And I mean, that's what horror is about. It's addressing the fears. It's addressing the things that really matter to us, you know, um, and, you know, and, and those things change all the time or they change depending on your geography, um, you know, your social group, all of those sorts of things. And so it kind of is a natural progression, I think, to go darker because we want to explore those things that are relevant and topical and important to people, those universal things. And, you know, not everybody cares about cupcakes, you know, but everybody, you know, everybody cares about, you know, um, pandemics and uh, urbanization and climate change and all of those things that you can address with horror fiction. So, um, yeah, that's, I think that's probably where I, you know, where my evolution towards horror has come up. I think it's been natural. And also, as someone who suffers from anxiety and depression, I think that, that it's a wonderful creativity and particularly horror is a wonderful way to get those demons on the page and sort of exercise them. You know, once that once you've created that distance and they're on the page, you can sort of tame them in some way. Uh, it's hard it's hard to quite describe this, but the process of just getting it on the page can be really really valuable in 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 dissipating some of that stress. Lee, I love how you you said, you know, you wanted to write something meaningful. And, you know, the reason I really kind of latch on to that is because there's so many people who would look at somebody who writes what they term genre fiction and not necessarily call it meaningful, but the way you kind of went on to describe horror as, and I'm kind of putting words in your mouth, but like an exploration of life. Um, what could be more meaningful than that? Absolutely. And you, there is a bit of snobbism, isn't there, around horror? You know, I was having this conversation with um, Karina Bissett the other day over the, uh, just over an email and um, she's writing this, she's curating this amazing um, uh, anthology on landscape and dark fiction around landscape. So that's going to be exciting. But we were talking about this and about how there's this real kind of literary pressure, you know, that, that horror is not really proper writing. It's not real writing. And, you know, when I say to people who I write horror, they go, oh, I don't read that stuff. Oh, no, no, no. And then you say, well, have you read Margaret Atwood? And they go, oh, yes. And, you know, have you read Edgar Allan Poe? Well, everyone's read Poe, you know. And and so then you go down the list and they've read everything you mention. And because I think horror is just so universal, it is it is a spectrum, you know, from, and I always say it's from um, just that unease, that through the looking glass darkly, all the way up to sort of eyeballs on a plate, you know, it's it's anywhere on that spectrum. And so, you know, we, you know, we, we're all, yeah, it's so universal. It's just so universal. So I think actually that snobism isn't warranted and, and 
writing good horror is actually really hard. It's actually really hard. And you could make the argument as well that anything that, you know, that snobism holds up as true literature is going to have elements of, of horror in it and as well if it's if it's properly explored. Um, yeah. Darren, Darren, I want to throw something to you. Now, um, before we jump into mentorship, uh, I feel like, you know, having read the articles that you guys did for Kendall Reviews, I feel like it's really important for people to know a little bit about uh, your your day job as a content editor. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. All right. So so tell us your background there. Um. <clears throat> well, so I have uh, I went to school for literature um, for my my bachelor's, and I have an MFA in writing. Um, I did some some work as a technical slash copywriter for for a few years um, and then I moved into the more online content writing and then up to up to editing for, it's basically I work for a, a large um, uh, e-retailer basically and we write we write all of our own content shoot our own videos things like that um, so it's yeah everything is, is is ours there's nothing we don't use if you go to Amazon you're going to see the same description on Amazon that's on that manufacturer's web page it's they just copy and paste it and just slap it up whereas we spend a lot of time getting to know the products and writing about them so that we answer your questions before you ever even have them i kind of wanted to set that up right from the get-go because there were there's certain aspects i know we're going to get into today where we talk about uh your let's say your eye for detail um <laughs> and how your relationship with with Lee has kind of approached that in your writing. Uh, but uh, as far as jumping right in, Pat, I'm going to throw it to you. Yeah. So mentorship, it's something we've talked about before, but we've only kind of vaguely talked about it. Like I've mentioned, um, I got two guys I look up to as mentors, Ronald Kelly and Mark Cassell. Um, they're both, I feel like excellent teachers and writers in their own right. So I I was lucky enough to fall into that. Um, but before we dive into how people can approach a mentorship, let's just talk about how first Lee, how you got into it. And this is covered in your article. I know that, but for those um, that haven't read it yet, can you tell us anything you want about how you started into the mentorship program with the HWA? With the HWA? Oh, or, I just signed or up. Could be, oh, or, or it could be before that. <laughs> yeah, so um, basically one of the first things I did when I was starting out as a writer, I applied for a mentorship with the New Zealand Society of Authors and I was assigned one with an iconic New Zealand writer. Um, amazing man, Graham Lay is his name. And he, uh, he worked with me and he helped me get one of my first novels out. Um, wonderful, wonderful, experienced writer. He has, uh, I think, 60 novels out and a number of nonfiction books. And he was the books editor for our national, one of our national magazines here in New Zealand. So really knew his stuff. Um, and so as a result of that program, I thought, well, now, I, you know, I got so much out of it. I went back to the program and said, well, can I become a mentor? What can I do, you know, when I got a little bit further ahead? And so I became a mentor and then I became a convener of the program and I 
became a selector of the program. And so basically I'm the person, the only person in the country who's probably done all elements of that particular program. Um, and so, and I just got so much out of it. You know, you get both something out of both sides of the of the equation. And so, you know, I, and I introduced those those programs into the New Zealand SpecFic um um, group and also uh, the the I was I've been involved in the Australian Horror Writers Association um, mentorship group and it was kind of about time that I put my hand up for the HWA. So um, Brian um, Hatcher was was the was the convener at the time. So it's just changed and Greg Fayette's taken it over. But um, the, he put a call out and said we're short, we're down, you know, X number of X number of, uh, of mentors this year and we really need some help. And so I put my hand up and I got the last three, you know, that hadn't been matched up or whatever on the list and they were an amazing bunch. So I was very, very lucky. So that's how I met, how I met Darren. Now, before we go into how Darren entered it and what went behind the scenes on his end that led to him becoming a mentoree. Now, you, Lee, you talked about having depression and anxiety. I've only recently um, kind of realized that I am plagued with anxiety all the time, too. It's pretty bad to the point where I'm medicated, and that's only been within the last year or so. So I totally get that on top of, like, ADD, or I guess it's ADHD now. Um, I'm curious if being a mentor is kind of a way to... I don't know how else to, to word this, but if it's kind of a, a alleviator or a counterbalance uh, with those two things. Yeah, that's a really good question, and it depends. Like it's 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 work, it's extra work, but then it is just so rewarding when you get your mentees with this aha moment and they go, oh my God, I get it. I look, and then they send you something that's just amazing, and you think. Wow, you know, you had a hand in that. You 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 made a difference, and that feedback, that positive feedback, is is wonderful for us when we're suffering from. It's a real real thing. It's you know when you're suffering from depression and you and you get this really very positive. You are valued. You did something that was helpful to someone. There is nothing like giving to make you feel good, right? So I yeah. just. Yeah, so although you do have to create boundaries because mentorship is forever. You never get a mentee and it's just for the four months that they assign the mentee. I'm sorry, I just need to tell you that I've still got mentees from 10 years ago that still contact me and say, look, now I've got this issue and what do you think? And it, it's it's a relationship. So it just they become friends and, and peers and some of them surpass you, which is even more wonderful. And um and I and I just think, yeah, so there's an element of connection, friendship, and that wonderful feeling of you've actually you've actually contributed and you've done something of value. And I, and I think with depression and anxiety, we just don't feel valued. We feel, you know, we just we feel isolated and helpless and useless and hopeless. And then you have this mentee going, no, no, this was really good. I This works, you know. Look, I've just – and now I've seen it in this book and this book and this. You're sharing stories, you know. Darren and I will we'll tell you, you know, we just – have you read this? Okay. And then off Darren went and then I'd read something. He'd say, what about this? And so off we'd go. So it's a conversation. And so it is connection. It's all of those things. 
Yeah, like you said before we started recording, and all that's beautiful what you just said. I love it. Um, I don't mean to just, like, totally bypass that. I don't know what else to say. It's beautiful what you just said. Um, but before you started recording, you said we were friends for a while on Facebook and stuff, and we were. And what I've noticed is that you're always very positive, and that, uh, I'll tell you, indirectly or directly, that's very helpful because there's a lot of uh, – rabbit holes that can drag you down a very bad path real quick on the internet so i, I think you're, doing, you're, you're, on changing, the way, you're changing a lot of things but patrick i think that that authenticity I and mean, it's only been really in the last few years i'm mean, in fact i wasn't diagnosed till i was nearly 50 so um you know it's only been in the last sort of few years that i've actually come clean about having depression and anxiety and actually that's actually quite freeing as well and you may well find that now having you know actually letting people know that there's a reason you might not want to see them today and you you might be struggling and 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 people understand you know especially this last couple of years i mean it's you know, point to me to someone who hasn't had a down moment in the last couple of years because I don't know any, you know, so. It's really nice to hear that because, and I, I like talking about it because it's not a taboo thing, but it makes us feel worse when we keep it inside. And uh, yeah. like me and Darren are good buddies and some he, I told him yesterday when we were talking, like he reaches out more often and not to me, and I feel like I'm a bad friend. And it's it's not me fishing for compliments, but, like, that's anxiety. And I, I've done that shit with Brennan, too. And, uh, you know, it feels good that I know that it's not – I'm not a crazy person because <laughs> it's it's been years that I thought I was just a shitty friend. And I, I just got to thank you for being a positive contributor in that aspect. So thank you. Um, Darren, yeah. how did you uh, kind of – Say I want to, I want to try this. I want to be a mentoree. Well, um, it goes back to how I got into horror. It all kind of happened within uh, a year or so. Um, once I started uh, actually writing, I wrote I think about two full drafts of uh, my novel that uh, Lee and I worked on together. Um, <clears throat> and uh, my friend Kevin again, he join i didn't even know what the i didn't know the hwa existed let alone what it was um so he joined it um and he started talking about it and i was like well that's interesting so i started doing some research because he was like you should join um i was like okay i don't even know what it is but um so i started researching it reading the website um and then while i was going through it i stumbled onto the mentor section of it or talks about what you're able to you know what you're able to do with a membership um and that just that was to me uh, that I was like, well, this is worth whatever fifty dollars a year. Like it, uh, that alone is worth, you know, <laughs> way, way more than that. Like so, so I did it. I signed up, um, and I once I finished that second. Uh, actually, I was almost finished with the third draft. That's when I signed up for that particular uh, session, um, and then yeah, all downhill from there. And I noticed. Uh said mentory correction menti and menti is that how yeah he's the baby menti yeah menti (laughs) it's a weird word so okay we got darren signed up lee you're signed to him take us through what that was the initial process of you guys and being introduced to each other 
actually, Brian has a little bit to, to do with that. So, so there's, it's not just a matter of just, oh, here's a mentor, here's someone who's willing to mentor, and here's, you, here's a mentee, go for it. It doesn't quite work like that. So what actually happens is um, the, 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 ment- the convener needs to actually match the mentees to the mentors and the projects. And sometimes, you know, people don't have rapport or the mentee's not ready. You know, they, they still need some work. They need to do a bit more work before they're ready or they're not quite open and ready to, to get jumping. And, you know, basically I threw knives at Darren for months and months and months, you know, no. <laughs> With um, very precise accuracy. <laughs> and so, um, and so, I think that that the convener has a lot to do with actually matching the right project and the right person. You know, so you you, you don't have to be a, a New York Times bestseller to be a mentor. You just have to have been through the process and have something to offer. And the same for the mentees. You just need to come with the right mindset. You know, because you know, I'm I'm not Darren's mother. You know, I, you know, I'm not going to say they're there, Darren. It's all good because that's not my job, you know. So so there's a lot of that. So so it kind of I sort of I think I primed Darren a little bit. So I kind of said, OK, sounds like this is what I've been told. You've got this novel. Your beta readers have read it. It stands up in terms of plot. But, you know, it's not quite there in terms of readability. I think that was the word you used, Darren, yeah. readability. And um, so. So rather than read the whole thing to start with, I said, okay, he thinks the the plot stands up. And we looked at the synopsis just to be sure. Um, And then we dived right in. But we actually had a conversation first. Oh, I looked at some first few chapters and gave Darren a bit of a heads up of where I thought the issues were. And then we had an actual chat. And then we went chapter by chapter, sort of churning through stuff and and throwing things at each other. Read this. What do you think? Is this going to work? Because he had some some also some structural issues that he was still grappling with. We knew the plot held up, but we still wanted to know how best to tell the story. So, um, but basically, you know, we kind of met. We were both excited about the project. Um, I also write, you know, supernatural crime noir, so that. That, that fit nicely, so I was excited to read it. And, um, yeah, we kind of hit it off and away we went, sort of, I think. Awesome. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, that's awesome. Brennan, you got anything to throw in there? Yeah, you know what? One of the things that really caught my eye, and, uh, Darren, it's kind of directed at you, but, Lee, be, you know, I'd, I'd be happy to hear you jump in if you've got something to add. Uh, you talked about how... Becoming a mentee uh, really transformed your work ethic, and I immediately after I read that, I was taken back to my days at uh, uh, music school, and you know, trying to force myself to practice my instrument, but really only really making the best progress and setting myself up into a routine when I had to kind of meet with a teacher once a week and you know, kind of go over progress and work towards certain goals. So that's what that really reminded me of. I was hoping you would speak a little bit about, you know, the way this transformed your work ethic as far as writing is concerned. Sure. Um, yeah. So before I started the mentorship, I basically was only writing one day a week uh, with the, I, the way I'd set up my schedule. Uh, I'm pretty lucky in that I can literally create my own schedule. I can work whenever I want. So I, I basically work four tens and I don't work Friday, Saturday and Sunday. Um, so I had dedicated Friday to writing. So I just, it was like a work day, except I was writing instead of going to work. Um, and I, I pumped the novel out 
took three uh, three drafts that way, and it, it took a while. Um, probably took a couple of years, honestly, to to do it that way. Um, but then, yeah, once once we started, um, and Lee like Lee read the first few chapters. Um, we met. We talked on the we talked on the phone like this, and we she went through all the things. You know, I I had said, hey, I think you know, I think these are the issues, but I'm not exactly sure how to fix them. I'm struggling with with the with the solution. Um, and yeah, she caught it right away. We started talking about it, and like as soon as that that aha moment happened when I was like, Oh, that makes all the sense in the world. How did I miss that? I wanted to dive back in and start making those changes. And then on that sort of snowball, right? So I rewrite a chapter and send it to Lee. I'd get notes back within 12 hours, half the time, sometimes within a couple hours. And like, even though sometimes it's like, you got to cut all this. I was still energized and excited. And, and just wanted to keep keep it going. So um, from there, I basically started writing every day. Um, you know, I've got two toddlers, so it's hard to, to get anything done during the day. Um, so basically every night after I put them to bed, I just come sit in the office for hours and just write. And, and yeah, so I wanted, I wanted to rewrite the entire novel during our session because I didn't want to I didn't want it to go over because I know how busy Lee is. So I was like, I'm going to get this done. And it just sort of created that, um, that, eth- that work ethic that's just stuck. Now, even if I'm not sending her something, which I haven't in a while, um, it, I still have that feeling, right. Of, of getting something done and it feels good. So. Yeah. I, I would add that I think, and I don't know how other mentors work, but I, Feel partly there's a, there's a bit of advantage. I live in New Zealand. I'm already in the future, so I've already you know seen it before you sent it to me. Um, but um, but um, I have this this notion that if you are working on something and you get immediate feedback, it is really very helpful because you're still in the moment of writing it. You still and so as I always try and send things back within a day or two at the most. So that the the mentee has that opportunity to look at those two 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 pieces of work together while it's still fresh in their mind, and and that can be really I think very helpful. And it certainly worked for Darren, and I know it worked for has worked for a number of my other mentees. I mean, and also let's just have a shout out here for the spouses who are fantastic yeah. while we're trying to get words on the page, and you know, with family and commitments, and and I think that. Um, you know, Darren's partner was was really, you know, he sort of said to her, look, I've got this opportunity and I want to take it, you know, and someone other than my mother is reading my writing and, you know, and they're liking it. So we should, we should, you know, we should do more with this. So, you know, he really made the most of the opportunity. I mean, there's, there's not a moment he didn't waste. Um, and we were reading widely as well. It wasn't just a question of writing. We were studying other things, looking at different articles, um, and I think that 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 is that that that's the whole point of a mentorship, isn't it? Is to is to progress the work, and and Darren really embraced that, and I and I thank him for it because that that makes for an, a a wonderful experience for both of us. Pat, I thought you were jumping in. I'm sorry, man. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. I was really lost in this. <laughs> or not lost. I was really transfixed on this conversation with you guys. Um, I don't know what I was going to follow up, man. You threw me off. Uh, Brennan. <laughs> That's okay. Um, so 
I, I'm I'm curious, Lee, from your standpoint, I know you've already talked about some of the uh, benefits of being a mentor, because, you know, it's not just all giving. You definitely receive uh, as well. And, you know, of course, kind of the mainstay is that feeling of, you know, having having helped somebody help having made it a difference. But what are some of the other benefits that somebody considering going into this should kind of look into? Well, or well, expect I, to get. Yeah, well, uh, first of all, you, you get to read other people's work and see how they do things. There's no one way to write a novel or a short story or a novella or whatever. There's no one right way. And so, you know, exploring these new ways and new techniques is really is really valuable and I learn things in the process you know Darren has a different sort of style to me and we discussed various things and some of the things he kept because they're his style you know um and and so you you learn a lot on the hoof if you like and you you learn techniques that work for you and things that don't work for you and and so it's you know Writing is just evolving all the time. We don't write the way we did 200 years ago. If you read, I don't know, Mary Shelley's The Last Man, it's not the same as, you know, some kind of dystopian fiction that you're reading coming out of this pandemic, for example. So writing and and ways to engage the reader are changing all the time. And so, you know, every time I get a new mentee, I learn something else. So there's that aspect. Um, But also I just make a lot of friends. And, And the other thing is that I'm really rap at promoting myself and you know Darren's going around telling everyone that Lee Murray is the biz you know (laughs) and so you know I just got this one time you know for at least for a little while I've got this fan you know and then next minute he'll be he'll be the bestseller and I'll be the fan um but for the for the moment I have this fan and that's fabulous you know and it's wonderful to 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 have um you know to have these other people that you know when you spread you know, spread the love, basically, because I'm really, really, really crap at promoting myself. <laughs> so there's that as well. And I mean, you know, if I'm known as being someone in the community who's kind, that's not so bad. That's not so really bad at all. <laughs> so, Lee, would it be fair to say that do you feel like it gives you an advantage as, you know, uh, let's let's say a veteran writer, somebody who knows what they're doing in the game to kind of force yourself to make time to read up and coming writers? Do you feel like that gives you almost an advantage over other people who have been doing this and might almost be kind of locked inside their own head? Oh, that's a really good question. I don't, I don't know. I kind of, possibly, yeah. I mean, you know, you you understand what the struggles are, what the issues are that new writers are, are dealing with. But um, I mean, I'm reading widely anyway. I'm on some literary award juries, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So I tend to read pretty widely anyway. And you know, you just, yeah. So. So, yes, there is that, but I think for a lot of mentors who are working in this this field, they're already reading widely, they're writing as well, so they, they, they're staying current. But you're right, that's another, that's another benefit. You do stay current with your genre. What's, what are people writing, you know, what, what's, you know, what are the issues, you know? Um, and I think that, you know, because fears change. I mean, let's face it, we're going to see this glut of pandemic type stuff coming through in the next year because everyone's dealing with isolation you know dealing with you know these fears of you 
you know, even your neighbor is your enemy, really, when you're talking about a pandemic. So some of these things are, you know, um, you know, interesting. They are the the genre is always evolving. So yes, it is a way to stay current. I almost looked at it uh, kind of from the lens I look at doing this podcast because you said, you know, you read widely and so did, you know, pretty much any author who values their craft, they're going to read a lot as much as they can. Uh, But you have the opportunity to not just read these up and coming writers, but to pick their brains as well to say, that's really neat. How did you arrive at that in addition to kind of laying your experience on them? So that's kind of how I arrived at that, you know, thought. Oh, yeah, it's two-way, you know. It's like I don't have all the ideas, you know. And also, you know, there are very few new ideas, you know. It's it's how do you subvert them in a way that is fresh. And, I mean, we talked about this a couple of times because Darren's book does involve the occult and um, and. It's been done, right, Darren? But we had to do it in a way that was really fresh and and vibrant and jumped off the page. And and I think Darren's achieved that. But we did talk about, you know, is this seem too cliche? Is this tra- is this too traditional? You know, how can we, you know, how can we make the pace better? Those sorts of things. So so yes, absolutely, I, I totally agree, Brennan. That's that's the one. Uh, that's a really good benefit. Yeah, it's good. It's good when your mentor. That's a good point that you bring up. Like, yeah, it's good to have a supporter, but to kind of direct them and indicate, like, that's cliche. Or <laughs> something that Mark Cassell taught me was a uh, tautology. I think I'm saying that right. Yeah. Uh, something Repetition. That, yeah, something like he. I don't really do this anymore, but where I write like shaking my head or just stuff where you're like, yeah, that's uh you don't need to say that twice. It's it's really silly. Um, that's really important, too, for having a, a mentor, what I've noticed. Uh, Lee, let's just talk about you for a little bit, since you are you just said you're crap at promoting yourself. So let's talk about <laughs> First off, audio listeners, behind Lee Framed Up is a uh, horror writer's, I think, 2019. Was that your mentorship? finalist uh, award no that's that's a bram stoker um i haven't gotten any i haven't i haven't framed this year no that's a bram stoker award finalist so i have five of those now i haven't no no time winner but five time finalist but this is the um this is the the hwa um mentor award and it's as heavy as hell so to come <laughs> the fortune to post to new zealand and it it um what it is came, that uh, it's the HWA Mentor of the Year trophy. No, no, I mean, like, what's it supposed to be? Oh, who knows? Wings, maybe? Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm the wind between, beneath your wings or something. Like, I don't, I don't, ah, good question. It's very pointy and sharp, so <laughs> <laughs> could draw blood. I could use it on my next mentee. <laughs> there you go. Learn faster, idiot. Um, so let's also talk about this. You, it's my opinion. I don't want to speak for Brennan or the show or whatever. And it has no, I got to put this out there. It has nothing to do with the fact that we're on Ken McKinley's podcast network. But in my opinion, his Midnight series, anthology series, that's like the, the anthology everyone should strive to get in. And you got in that this year. Midnight Beyond the Stars. Can you tell us uh, whatever you can about that? Because that's that's a big deal, and that's worth getting uh, many pats on the back. 
<laughs> Thank you. Yes, I'm very pleased to have got into that anthology. It's very nice to get an invitation. And I wrote um, a story that's a little bit inspired by um, Bargevel's The Ice People, which I don't know. I think it's called The Ice People. I read it. Oh, um, I read it in the 90s, so that's dating myself a lot there. Um, and I read it when I was living in France, and I read it in French. And it's a wonderful story about um, some ice. It's a Romeo and Juliet set under the ice. And so um, so I, I you know, subverted that trope into um, a sort of a story about, because uh, this is uh, Midnight Beyond the Stars, a story about a, a, a fleet of... Um, people on a um, spaceship bringing resources back to a version of Earth and they discover these two creatures, people, people inside the ice and then, of course, what might happen, you know, what could go wrong, right? So <laughs> um, <laughs> so that's, that's, where the, that's what the story was inspired by. So I was really, really pleased to get an opportunity to air that one. It was really rather fun. I did enjoy it. Man, that's really cool. I love it when someone takes a twist on, like, you know, a horror story that we all know and love from, say, the 80s or 70s or what have you. But what I find more interesting, if you're basing something off of fiction, is when you go back further to, and right behind Darren, is a, uh, it looks like a William Shakespeare collection. Yes. Yes. That's, that's awesome. Yeah, so I, I really like it when people kind of base stuff off of the classics, like the true literature classics and, and just put a horror spin on it. And sometimes it doesn't even need it. Like Moby, Bit, Moby Dick, for example, like th that's really one step away from being a horror, isn't it? <laughs> well, it's, it's the original creature feature, isn't it? Really? There you that's go. Okay. There you go. Um, yeah. So that sounds fantastic. <clears throat> and that's not all for you though. So can you please tell us in a braggadocious manner <laughs> what you got going on? <laughs> Um, um, I'm very pleased to have just signed a three-book deal with Silver Shamrock to put out some short story collections. So I'm really excited about that. It's really lovely to be approached. And um, yeah, and, uh, uh, yes, I think so. I, I believe so. Yes, because yes. I think um, <laughs> Helen is doing the cover, and I saw some really jazzy, jazzy pop covers. They're looking really amazing. I think it's going to be called In the Mist or Into the Inside the Mist is the series that I'll be writing. So I'm very, very pleased to. To oh, I'm really excited about that. I mean, we also have um, spin-off of my um, Black Crane's Tales of Unquiet Women anthology. Um, I'm working on Unquiet. Spirits, which is a, an essay collection with responses to Asian monsters. So that's a personal um, personal project that I'm working on. I'm just about to start the Grimshaw Sargison um, um, residency in Auckland for my poetry collection, Fox Spirit on a Distant Cloud. And um, oh, I have um, this work, this book coming out uh, in about. Well, this is on the 31st of May. So it'll have just come out when when this, this oh. it's called Mark My Words. Um, and I'm writing it with Angela Eureko-Smith, 
um, from Space and Time magazine, and Darren has read it for me. Uh, it's a book about basically, you know, the things that your mentor wish you knew um, and saved me telling you over and over and over again. So I'm hoping that that will speed things up for a lot of our HWA mentors if the mentees can have a quick read and, and maybe identify some things themselves. Um, and then you can kind of hit the ground running so you're not necessarily spending lots of time um, telling people how to format their documents, that kind of thing. No, that's not – well, today we're not – we're recording this two weeks before, but today the episode's out the day of that release. So is there anything that you can tell us about that? Because that sounds like it's about everything this episode's about. <laughs> well, um. I was having a conversation with Angela Rico Smith earlier in the year and said, oh, my God, I've got so much work. You know, how am I going to – I want to take on more mentees, but I just haven't got the energy and the space, and I'm saying the same things over and over again. And anyway, so at the same time, the um, Brian Matthews and uh, Jim Chambers were looking for people to present for StokerCon, and we said, oh, this would be a good opportunity to talk with – you know, new writers and say, look, these are the things you can do to come up to speed quickly so that, you know, when you get in a, in a mentor-mentee relationship as Darren and I did, then you can very quickly hit the ground running and go for it, you know, um, mm. and and really invest time in the novel and the actual work and the, and the nitty-gritty of the things that need addressing rather than formatting and those kinds of things. So, um, it's not all about formatting. It was going to be a handout for that particular <laughs> session, and instead of, and then we said, oh, we should just, we should reach out to our editor and publishing colleagues and find out, you know, if they have any comments. And we got a whole screen of stuff back. And mm -hmm. so, what was going to be just a handout has turned out to be, I think, close to fifty thousand words now. <laughs> so we provided a free book. Um, but I hope it's a good. Well, Darren will probably. I mean, I'm not very objective. I hope it's going to be um, a useful, you know, sort of a checklist for for um, new writers starting out or wanting to submit, just to sort of say, where do I start with, with revising my novel before, or my, my short fiction, my novella, even an article, you know, where do I start revising it before I send it out? Are you going to be selling those? Because I definitely want to get it. Yeah, yeah, that we'll be getting it up on Amazon and stuff. Oh, nice. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or if you go to the horror universe, well, it's too late. By the time this is, by the time this airs, it'll be too late. But anyway, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. No, it'll be available and it'll be in print version as well. So sweet, Darren. You yeah. read it. What are you going to say about it, man? Hey, Darren. Real quick, Lee's on yeah. the call, so just be careful. <laughs> yeah, okay. Darren, real quick, she's got a very sharp trophy or award. Yeah, Thankfully, she's on the other side of the world. So. <laughs> um. No, it's it's fantastic. Uh, I, as I was reading it, I, I was sitting here, I was taken back to our to our session. Really, I, I was like, this is literally everything we talked about the first couple days, you know, or first couple weeks rather, just getting the 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 nuts and bolts together before we could really dive into the story per se. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's yeah, it's it's fantastic. Um, it's it's basically everything I got out of the mentorship with minus Lee's looking directly at my work, right? That's the only thing that's not part of it, but everything that, that Lee taught me is in there. So it's there's a bit of, you know, doing the work yourself, like understanding the principle and then, you know, implementing it yourself. Um, 
But if you think about it as a sort of precursor to going into the mentorship, you know, if you miss stuff, they're going to help you figure that out. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I, you know, I finished it and I said, you know, if I had gotten this, I, I sent Lee a message right afterward and said, you know, if I had gotten this before we were paired together, I would have withdrawn <laughs> edit on my own just with the information that that's in there. Right. And then I would have said, okay, let, let me take a, a semester off and I'll, I'll do it next time. Um, Cause yeah, it's literally everything and more uh, that, that we discussed. Uh, that I just want to zero in on one thing you said, nuts and bolts of writing. I started pursuing being a novelist in 2013 and it wasn't really until I met Marcus Sell in 2019 uh, where he kind of gave me a crash course. We co-wrote a short story for Camp Crystal Publishing, Crystal Lake Publishing. Crystal yeah. Lake. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with Joe Meinhardt. Love that guy. But, um, and Leah, now you've worked with him too, uh, I think, haven't you? Now I'm uh, second guessing myself. <laughs> oh, No. No, I have had a short story published by published by Chris Lake, but I'm you know yeah I've been on their guest their guest program for sure. All right, yeah, I I wasn't talking about a novel. I I thought you were in some form. Okay, anyways, um, (laughs) Mark gave me a crash course in the nuts and bolts of writing, and after that, I was like, all right, something's finally happening. It took six years, but something's finally happening. That's really important. I think in, was it Tim Wagoner's book? He kind of covers that, the nuts and bolts of it. And and I'm sure it's a different way that he goes about it. But, like, Mm -hmm. if I read that when I started out, I don't know. That's a game changer. You might might just totally take down uh, the mentorship program there, Lee, with this book. (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, actually, Tim sent us a really nice endorsement. And he he said, um, you know, uh, it's... He said, I wished I'd had it to guide me when I was starting out. I would have decreased my learning curve by years. So that was really rather nice. So, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I really do hope that it will save some time because, you know, mentors are time poor. It's not that we don't want to give, but we're, but it does rob us of our own writing time. You know, um, it, there's no two ways about it. You know, Darren and I probably put in 100 hours, I would say, you know, it just just – by the time we read stuff, went over stuff, you know, talked about things, it just over the course of that, you know, that that mentorship, and I I did it for three, you know, for three mentees in that period. So, you oh, know, right. it's a lot of time. It's a lot of time. It's sort of late night stuff and early morning stuff. And Darren had a specific goal in mind as well towards the end of um, his mentorship. So we sort of had to go hell for leather um, um, to sort of, because he wanted it to have a go at submitting it somewhere. And so, you know, that, that sort of set, set some deadlines for us as, as well. And um, I think we just need to remember that the HWA mentors are not paid. So that is a lot that, you know, it's, it's not insignificant. And so if we can reduce at all the time spent telling people, you know, use a serif font, <laughs> you know, um, and um, please don't use tabs in your work and just those simple things, then um, that, that, can really, that can really mean that we, when, you, when you get with your mentor, you can really hit the ground running looking at the story elements and, and how to make it, you know, really give us the scares, basically. 
So you're talking about, uh, I just got to ask about the tab thing, because I've seen that only on a few calls. <laughs> you're talking about setting the indita- indentation a certain... Yes, use paragraphing, use styles or paragraphing to gotcha. set your indents and, and don't use a tab or a space bar. Delete, delete, delete. Yes. So okay. Darren was not Darren was not guilty of that. So I'm just putting that I'm just putting that that out there. He was guilty of using three adjectives where one would suffice, um, because you know that's that detail oriented uh, you know um, technical writer. He had to he had to put three adjectives or. or you know, really go into the nitty gritty. And I would say to him, Darren, do we really need to know this? Is this important? Well, because the reader is going to remember it. And if you don't use it later, they're going to be cross with you. So, um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so he started crossing things out and, and it got very good at it towards the end there. What's like the biggest thing that newer writers have trouble with picking up at first? Um. Well, I think well, I think it depends on where the, on their own background. I mean, Darren had a very solid no, understanding of how to write a novel because he'd come from a you know masters in creative writing background, so clearly he didn't have any issues with what a character was, what plot was. Um, but just the nitty gritty of some of those technical aspects, like you know, getting the POV right for for Darren was important. Um, and, um, you know, show, not tell a little bit. We had some issues around there. So, you know, some stuff like that. Show, not tell is a big one. Um, and there's a place for telling and there's a place for showing. Um, and so transitions was, is another one. That's always tricky, isn't it, Darren? And I didn't really cover that in the book because it's different for every novel. But generally transitions is a tricky one too because people want to write themselves into the story. And there's this big chunk of Stuff at the top of the page, at the top of the chapter, you think, well, do we really need this? You know, you can just chop it right out and get us to the action. So I think with Darren, we had a few times where his character was in the car, you know, like gets parks the car and going, no, just get us in the house, you know, get us to the place. Don't we don't need to see them parking the car all the time. But it's just how we get used to writing ourselves into a scene. So, you know, there, I think it really depends on the writer you know I've got a a writer at the moment whom I'm working with and her background is journalism so it's all tell you know it's all very factual tell and she and so we're saying you know no this is horror it's about fear so we need to put the emotion in it and we need to um we need to move away from telling and into showing so uh it's all it depends on your background a, a little bit I think you know um the whole show not tell thing it's really hard to get down at first. <laughs> I still sometimes I still catch myself doing the telling and not showing. It's uh, it's definitely a case by case thing. So I don't really. I mean, hats off to you. I, I don't really know how I would go about teaching that that part. That you know what? That's the that's the element that that for me was transformative. Um, because I, I went through an MFA program and we had workshops and people were reading, you know, my stuff. But the specific info that that Lee was able to give me on my writing, which, you know, you get that from people, your peers in a, in a writing group, or but, you know, they're not necessarily experts. The teacher's there, but they're not as involved. It's, it's more, you know, peer editing. So having someone literally diving into your work and saying this is the the issue like 
don't do it this way, do it this way. It clicks so much faster than just hearing the word show, don't tell. Like, what is that? You know, it's kind of an amorphous term, right? Uh, Because sometimes you do want to tell. So for me, that was a big, uh, a big deal. Like just having, having leads be able to say, okay, instead of doing this, do it this way. And, yeah, expand it out. You know, yeah. I'd say expand, expand the scene out. Write the dialogue. You know, um, show me your monster. You know, you know what do you feel like when you see this monster? You know, give us the fear. And then Darren just dived in, and he once once you tell once I said, you know, how about this? He'd just go for it. And I think the other thing is that it's not my work. So you know, you know, I was very invested in the work, and this is the part of the problem of mentorship: is that at the end of the day, you're very proud of it, but it's not your work. <laughs> it's, it's his book, and um, and um, but so, and white. yeah, it's, well, it's not. The fact is that at the end of the day, the decision is still the writers. They still yeah. must make that final decision, and they they have to analyze it, think about it. You know, is what I'm saying right? You know, is it right for the work? And and the thing is, I never said anything that I didn't feel would strengthen the work. But we're not here to, to basically model, mollycoddle you, and nor are we there to, to, to rip your work to shreds and, and just for the sake of it. Why would we? You know, we, we're putting in the time to try and make the strongest piece of work possible. That is still your work. You know, I wouldn't mind if it were my work, but it's not. <laughs> it's Darren's work. So, you know, that's, uh, that's how it is, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. I was just going to say, um, specifically with Darren, he's told me about three of his books and like, I wish he'd stop because I just want to read it. (laughs) (laughs) That's not fair. It's like, hey, I got this really tasty pizza. You can't have any, though. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You know, just to add one more thing and then, Brennan, please jump in about cutting stuff that everyone knows about and doesn't have to read. Uh, This one editor, Doug Morano, posted a tweet when... I think it was his last anthology. He was saying how he's going through stuff and he goes just basically, it was just like him be a nice way to tell people, you don't have to tell us when you go to sleep. You don't have to say when you're waking up, start a story that way. Everyone does it. You don't have to write that in. And that's it. I kind of knew that, but I was like, I'm noting that that's true. (laughs) So, it's stuff like that, and I'm bringing it up in case someone kind of needs to hear it because it's <laughs> very good advice. It, if it's boring to write, it's boring to read, so don't yeah. write it. Yeah, just get us to the exciting bits. Just jump right there. Yeah, I, I work with children a lot, and they always do this. You know, if you ask them to write a story about the beach. They'll tell you about how mum put the picnic in the car and then dad loaded in the lilos and then we drove, you know, and then we stopped on the way and got petrol. And, and, you know, the first three pages is about, you know, is about getting to the beach. And then, you know, the story should just start at the beach, you know, just start at the beach. (laughs) Don't worry about all the rest of it. So you're dead right. It's a really good piece of advice. Brendan. Uh, Darren, you mentioned before about how transformative it was with the show don't tell piece. Um, I was wondering if you could talk about some of the other things that not just made the the book you were focused on, you know, the best it could be, but that you feel like have made you a stronger writer. Uh, some of the real specific mm-hmm. stuff you guys worked on that have made you a better writer than you were, you know, X number of months ago. Right. Um, so kind of kind of tagging on to what you were just saying, uh, like for me, part of my struggle was 
right before uh, I started working on that novel, I had been writing comics, comic scripts um, for years. Um, and, it, you know, it's comic scripts kind of like a movie script. And there's a lot of stage direction. There's a lot of moving a character from scene to scene and room to room. And that was part of the issue that I that I was struggling with and why I would, you know, have see everything. Right. You'd see all this movement because I was used to writing that way. Um, and I was th that was the struggle. Like I knew there was an issue, but I wasn't sure what it was. So that was that was one of those uh, one of those things that Lee pointed out. Um, some of the others, uh, the POV was a big one. Um, I had written a novel, I think in 2013, maybe. Um, and it was first person. Um, and I'd written omniscient before for what up stories and things. Um, and you know, it, the, technically the, the book was omniscient. And then when, once we started, Lee was like, this should, this should be third person close, like really close on one, on one narrator. So I went in and started doing that. And then, when she looked at it, she's like, well, this is still omniscient. And I'm like, what do you mean? It's, you know, it's not, it's this, but it, like there, it's subtle things. Um, there's a lot of it had to do with uh, the filters. That was, that was a big part, um, which is still so banged into my head that <laughs> I see one of those, if I write it, I literally delete it, you know, just sort of, you know, he saw something happen instead of just saying that it had like, it's just, it's in there now. Um, and I notice it with other, like, I'm always pointing it out to other people. Like when, uh, you know, somebody, if I'm reading someone's book, I'll point it out. Um, because yeah, it, it gets you so much closer to, uh, to the character and to the experience. Um, so that was a big one. Those things were all kind of related. Um, the POV, getting rid of the filters. Um, some of the stuff like tautology, like you mentioned, I know I definitely did some of that. Um, we, we definitely talked about that. Um, that's a weird word. <laughs> yeah. Tautology. <laughs> it makes a lot of sense, though. It's repetitive. <laughs> yeah, you know that stuff like, you know, can you know, he trailed behind. Well, can you trail in front? You know, he had a big, <laughs> he had a big smile on his face. You know, where else is your smile going to be? You know, that that sort of stuff. You know, his heart beat in his chest. You know, well, if it's unless you're an alien, your heart is in your chest. So, the, so some of the stuff was just really intuitive, and you you just write it down because you're just getting it on the page. But actually, you know. Um, you, once you start, once you start nutting it, nutting it out, you can make your work very lean, and then it becomes so pacey. And I think that that's been a comment that Darren's had about his work is that it's it's really breakneck speed, right? And so it, it, it's much pacier than it was. It was a little slower and a little bit more meandering, and a little bit more slow police procedural. And now it really. It really goes for it. So I think that that getting rid of those little bits of clutter have really helped. Yeah. And you know what, Brennan and I do another podcast called The Burying the Dead. I uh, bring that up because we, we're reading older books, um, like Shirley Jackson. Uh, what was it? Shirley, wow, why is this slipping my mind? Uh, Haunting on, on Hill House. It, it's slow-paced. The entire book's slow-paced. And, I mean, I don't, maybe that would be a big hit nowadays. Psycho was kind of a little, I, I loved that book, but Psycho was kind of a little bit slow pace. And just thinking about books written back in the fifties and the six, I don't know any, too much before then besides like Lovecraft, but they were, 
you know, they were a lot slower than nowadays. An audience nowadays wants, like you guys are saying, they want basically all the fat cut out. And um, when Chuck Palahniuk was saying how back, you know, quite a few years ago, if you say this whole thing about, you know, you just info dump, someone sounds very smart back then. And uh, nowadays it's it's not appealing in most cases. <laughs> it's just like, why was this published? <laughs> Well, like so, I say, things move on. We evolve, don't we? We we know what – and readers are, you know, much more time poor. You know, they've got to squeeze their reading in around other things. And so they want they want to get to, to the point, get to the story. And yeah. we still need an emotional experience and we still need all that background, but we need to get it in a way that's tight and lean and, um, and doesn't waste their time. Yeah. And, I mean, I, I've kind of learned – it's a dance. It's like – you, you feed them that information throughout the story with dialogue, like casual conversation or a little context clues or what have you. Um, Brennan, do you have anything else on this particular subject or can I go to something else? You know what? I was going to throw out real quick uh, as far as the viewpoint thing was concerned. Um, I, I honestly do not remember whether it was you, Lee, or you, Darren, who said it, but basically the idea of writing third person close like you're writing first person but just change the pronouns uh, i yeah. thought that was a great little piece of advice <clears throat> that is that was, that was that's what made it click i don't remember i don't remember exactly what what lee said but that's essentially what she said is you know how to get from out here looking down at the character even when you think you're even when you're just focused on one character and getting all the way into the character's head so yeah writing it writing third person as if it was first person and just change the pronouns. That's pretty much how I've been writing ever since. Lee, is it difficult adjusting from, um, you know, um, I guess mainly North American from New how New Zealanders write uh, maybe a different word or I know in the UK it's, there's a lot more use than, than in America. So <laughs> what, I actually, I'm not too sure. I mean, me and Brennan have read quite a few authors in Australia. Um, I don't think in New Zealand. Um, am I am I correct with that, Brennan? Are you correct about what that we haven't read a lot of New Zealand authors? <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't think we have. I don't know uh, if no. there's a. I don't know if there's a big difference between New Zealand authors and, and <gasps> Australian based authors. <laughs> Okay, Lee's gonna hit us. Look, I'm 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 pleading my ignorance. I'm an ignorant American. There's an ocean between us, mate. Well, I know, but I don't know. Literal ocean. I don't know what the difference is. Look, I'm saying I don't know. Don't kill me. There are a lot of similarities between Australian English and New Zealand English, and there are lots of differences as well. And you know, yeah, we have our own little, you know, little sort of local um, colloquialisms and sayings and expressions. And, and Dan Raybutz, who I write my um, you know, um, Path of Rao series with from Raw Dog Screaming Press, we, we include those in there. And Raw Dog have been fantastic about incorporating those wherever they can because that, it, it adds to the flavour of the book and that sense of place. Um, and, of course, the story is set in, in urban Auckland um, in the near future. So it makes sense to have those things. But I think, you know, it's, I think there's, you know, we need to just be open to it. Um, I'm 
I'm quite capable of putting of selecting, you know, American English on my on my word processing and making sure that uh, that I haven't missed, you know, or haven't erroneously put in a New Zealand spelling when it should be an American spelling. And there are some turns of phrases and some, you know, products and things that I might not be aware of. Um, so that you know, I'm trying to be conscious of those things and ask the questions when I'm reading other people's work, but. Um, you know, I think that's part of the beauty of, of of language and of reading, isn't it? Is to go somewhere else and learn something else about the way people think and the way people describe things. And so I find it very enriching, to be honest. I think it is hard when you're trying to mix languages. And, uh, and mark my words, we've got um, comments from editors who are from Australia and the UK and New Zealand. And so there's a lot of different types of of spellings and we've just left them in the spelling of the person um <laughs> so the word processor did not like that at all there are little <laughs> wiggly lines everywhere but um yeah and no, I think that it does add a richness to to writing and you know we just need to be open to it I wish Americans were more open to reading things that were outside the U.S. you know sort of vernacular I think that um it does it does offer something different that's for sure Oh, yeah, for sure. I, I don't know a whole lot of people outside of the horror community that are like, yeah, I like foreign films if I get a read while I'm at a film. I like it. Um, Korean films are a big love of mine. Yeah. But they, yeah. They're phenomenal. But um, that's a great point. I wish that Americans were a lot of things, too. That's open. <laughs> Open's definitely a big one of them. I think horror is brilliant. I mean, I do, because I think already horror is a subversive genre. You know, we're already looking at twisting things around and, and mm. uncovering stones. And so I think in general, um, you know, uh, horror readers are way more open open to that. Really, they are. Um, and so th that's quite refreshing compared to some other genres, I think. Yeah. And uh, you know what? I want to quote uh, one of Darren's favorite authors. Uh, it was a recent post by Jonathan Jans. And it applies to what we've been talking about. He says, honestly, though, if I had to choose my favorite era for horror, it would be now. Um, I think that I would agree with him because, like, look, we're all in four different parts of the world. We're talking about this. And this is what I love about the show. We get to bridge each other's walks of life. And, uh, I mean, how else are we going to learn all about this, you know? Like, how else are we going to learn about what you experience, how we relate to each other? That's just kind of my – there's – I don't know how to end this. I'm just saying that <laughs> you guys were – Darren talked about Jans earlier, and I, I remember that tweet, and uh, then I just looked it up to quote it correctly, and I don't know. Brennan saved me. I love it. <laughs> no, I, lo I, love, I love when you do your uh, Michael Scott, I don't know where this sentence is going, but I'm going to keep on it anyway. That's my <laughs> – See, that's my uh, that's my ADD kicking in. It's like, just say it. It'll make sense. No, it won't. No one gets it. I think, I'll figure I think it out Jonathan is totally right. There's never been a better time to be writing horror. Um, we're living in pretty horrific times, so there's plenty of fodder. And, um, yeah. yeah, and the, and people are stuck at home uh, to, to a large extent at the moment uh, still. And so, you know, they, they're looking to read things that will – either let them escape or at least let them deal with it. So I think he's dead right. I think there's never been a better time. 
And how cool is that? Brennan's brought this up a few times when the pandemic first hit, the publishers in the hard indie horror scene just were like, well, we're giving all our books away for free for some time to everyone who wants to read. Like, that's, yeah. they're literally like, this is how I make money, but you know what? That's not important as much as like giving people a little relief during a pandemic. I don't know how the other genres handled it, but just to piggyback off of what y'all said, that's pretty special. Yeah. I don't know where to go from here. I'm done. I will. Go ahead, Lee. I was going to say, why don't you ask Darren what his book's about? <laughs> because, you know, it's, it's going to be coming. I know it's going to be coming soon. So why don't you ask him what it's about and what else he's writing? Because, you know, I don't know. I haven't got any heads up and insight into the other stuff that he's writing. And I know there is more. Oh, definitely. We were going to, that's one of the last questions, but we can jump to that. Before we do that, Darren, only if you're comfortable with it, you've mentioned Kevin twice. Is there anything that you want to tell people that don't know anything about Kevin? Uh, well, <clears throat> so I guess people who watch your or listen to your show, that they would know him based on, um, Jonathan mentioned him when he was on, Jonathan Jans, um, and how, how much of a promoter of horror he was. Um, and yeah, he, he was he was my uh, my biggest cheerleader, really. He was the first person who read my novel the first time. Um, he read it in a weekend, which was crazy, because um, at that time it was 110,000 words. <laughs> Holy shit. Um, it's down to sixty. It's down to sixty-seven thousand, thanks to Lee. Um, wow. Yeah. It. Uh, well. Yeah. So he he read it and uh, he had the balls to say, "Hey, I think you need to cut a third of it." <laughs> and uh, like a whole, like a whole, like originally I had um, three time frames, three that that were all happening chapter by chapter so you get a chapter in this decade and a chapter in this one and then this one it was three different stories all happening at the same time um, and he pointed out that like the third story just didn't work with the first two like it, and it intentionally it was different but it wasn't it just didn't work for him um but it, i struggled with that because the the part that he wanted me to cut was actually the inspiration and the story I originally wanted to tell. So the main character, when I, when I started writing him, he was just literally a throwaway character who shows up at this murder scene. Like he wasn't intended to be anyone in the story. He was, he was kind of, you know, just setting the stage. Uh, it was, it was someone else's story. Uh, so I, I, I literally, I just took a night and I just sort of thought about it and, so, well, it really has become his story, like, oh, over the, the course of all these edits. Um, so I did it. I just cut out the whole back uh, section. Um, and then because I did that, I had to change some stuff in the middle, the middle section, because they were kind of related. So I ended up cutting half of it off the top and then re had to rewrite the end, uh, plus a lot of the stuff in the middle. Um, anyway, so, yeah, so he uh, he was the first person to do it. And, and he originally is transformed it um and that's the version that lee got afterwards so she never actually read that that version um <laughs> yeah. Yeah. that was a much longer, much longer version um, <laughs> um, but yeah so 
last year, uh, or just a little bit past, uh, he took his own life, um, which was a big deal. Um, so, yeah, so you think about, Lee mentioned how, you know, everybody's kind of going through stuff, even if you're not affected by the pandemic, other than being at home, like it's affecting people in different ways. Um, and and I'm 100% sure that is the reason, like, you know, the, the sort of circumstances uh, were based on that. So, um, yeah, that's definitely, that was definitely how it hit home for me. All right. Uh, thanks, man. Uh, Brennan, save me, sir. <laughs> so, D- Darren, I want to talk a little bit more about uh, what you're working on and that novel. But before we do it, I kind of want to wrap up the mentor thing. Now, uh, you guys might have to retread a little bit of ground with this question, but you know, I'm thinking you guys kind of embody an idyllic uh, mentor-mentee relationship. You know, you guys have become friends, I think it's fair to say. Uh, there's a lot of mutual respect, and you would both agree that you work well together. And, you know, obviously we're not going to get into specifics, but a lot of, you know, a lot you, you hear horror stories about how mentor-mentee relationships can go bad when there's ego on the table or, you know, Lee, something you've talked about a lot is that it's ultimately his project and his writing and his voice. And your Mm -hmm. job is to help him find that rather than just tell him straight out what to do. Um, So my final question is, uh, Lee, I'll start with you. What is the role of a mentor? Yeah, it's like um, herding chickens, I think. Probably a bit fairly fair, isn't it, Darren? We've sort of got That's lots true. of chickens running in different directions and we've got to bring them all together and sort of hope like how we can get them in the coop is really is kind of where it is. Um, yeah, my my role is, is kind of like to help with the gravy, you know, to kind of sort of just make it as 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 polished and as shiny as that we possibly can before it goes out but to help make that piece of writing the best it can be and and to grow a writer because it isn't just about the writing is it I mean I think Darren's come a long way in terms of his professionalism his approach to the whole industry um in his the way he approaches reading you know, he's reading critically. He's looking at things. He's, he's, you know, reading in order to learn, in order to write. It's not just about, I mean, what is it? King says you can't, you can't write if you don't read. And I think that, I, not in those words, obviously he uses prettier words than me. But, you know, I think um, that that's kind of part of it. So, so for me as a mentor, it's, it's really, it is, it's basically these should be wings because that's what it is, isn't it? It's kind of like, you know, just just help them uh, along the way and, and hope that you're sort of, hey, creating a writer in your own image. <laughs> um, but it's not like that at all. It's still their writing. So it's, it's just, you know, offering what you can. And it, ultimately, it's up to the mentee to take what they can and run with it. And Darren's basically grasped everything with two hands and gone hell for leather down the other end of the, the, the football field and, you know, scored a try from what I can gather. So. so, Darren, the other side of the coin, what's the role of a mentee? I'd say it's to, it's to listen and learn, um, really. Uh, I, I know I talked about it a little bit in, in the article, but, and you sort of mentioned it, like checking your ego at the door, like, it, you know, 
Lee, Lee's, Lee said it a couple times. She's not my mom. I'm not sending her stuff for her to tell me how awesome it is. You know, I, know, <laughs> I need to know what doesn't work. Right. Um, and I'm, and I think part of what works well for us is we're both pretty brutally honest. <laughs> like, and, and I appreciate that because that's how I've always been. Um, going back to when I was in my MFA and, and reading other people's work and kind of like, I, I'd get some looks from people because I would just say, you know, like this doesn't work or, or, you know, I have no idea what this sentence means. Like very, very direct. Um, and Lee is the same. Like she would say, this doesn't work or, you know, get rid of this. This doesn't make any sense. I think it's not just saying it doesn't work. I think sometimes it's not even just a suggestion of you could try this or you could try that. You know, there are various ways of it's, it's not one fix. Sure. You know, and, and it's entirely with Darren's decision about, and I would say, okay, I'm cutting this. And, and he doesn't have to keep the cuts that I'm saying. I think you should take this out, you know, and this is the reason why. And at the end of the day, it was still Darren's decision. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a tricky one, isn't it? Because it's like not, I don't think a mentor should come in and just say this doesn't work because that's not helpful. You know, the, the writer already already has an inkling. I think almost always a mentee will come to you and say, well, I, I'm worried about the readability or I'm worried about the flow or the transitions or something, and they can't quite figure out the how, but they have worked out that there's an issue. Almost mm. always. They know it's not reading, it's not as sparkly as I want it to be. Um, and Darren already knew that. He just couldn't put his finger on the how. And so we explored some possible hows, you know, what what could he do? And he was very open to that. And I think that there is that. It's that open-mindedness, being willing to say, okay, we've identified an issue. How are we going to move forward? What is the best way? And at the end, he had to take responsibility for that. That's great. You know what? I just want to touch on honesty and writing. It's my opinion that not everyone should be a writer because of that, because not everyone's going to put the work in. And some people take your constructive criticism as a personal attack and they'll get really defensive. I'd like to know from the two of you, and by all means, disagree if you want. I just want to hear what you guys got to say. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Should Do you think everyone is meant to be a writer or... Hmm. You mean, can they be taught? Is that the question, really? That might be a nicer way to put what I was saying. <laughs> oh, you know, like, is it, is it, you know, are writers made or, you know, are they born or are they made? That kind of thing. That's a smarter way to say what I was saying. <laughs> um, well, I think already Darren had a huge amount of talent and then he put in a huge amount of work. So that's a success. I think I'm a plotter. I don't really, you know, I'm a scientist by profession. So, you know, I, I, I you know, when I, when I write with other people, for example, when I write with Dan Raybarts and he, a New Zealand writer, he's just got so much flair and he just dives in and, you know, and I'm a slow plotter. So, so I think I'm kind of a, you know, go to the edge of the page sort of writer. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of thorough. Um, but I think some people have flair, so and they're the lucky ones. But you can have flair and not put the work in, you know. Um, yeah. And you can have and you can be hardworking and just never quite get the sparkle. 
So I think it's the difference between, you know, being a musician and sometimes you can hear someone, you know, two musicians play the same piece and one of them puts their soul into it and has really studied hard and and really worked out how to get the emotion out of that piece of music. And then the other will just play a technically perfect piece and they're not the same. So I think it's, you know, it's like any art, isn't it? It's, It's a little bit flair. It's a little bit hard work. Um, and a lot of luck with 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 publishing, unfortunately. Nice, yeah, perfect. Uh, Darren, what do you have to say? Yeah, so I would. I mean, I think anyone can write. Uh, I mean, it's a skill that we learn, you know, in school. Um, mm. And I think that's where you know you get the term. You hear people say, you know, everyone's got a book in them, um, and that may be true. Um, but I don't want to read it. <laughs> yeah, but the, the, difference, the difference is the willingness to put in the work and to study, to study really, and, and to be open to feedback. Um, I mean, I, I, I can talk about horror stories of, you know, I gave some people feedback and they didn't even, they never wanted to talk to me again. Even though <laughs> I, I, didn't, I didn't say they were a horrible person. I just said, you know, whatever, like this, you know, this isn't working for me or whatever, whatever it was that I said. Um, you know, to me that said they weren't really serious, you know, like if, if you can't objectively look at the work and say, okay, yeah, that maybe that doesn't work, um, at least think about it, then yeah, it's probably not, probably not the right field. Like I think about what I, what I just said, like when he, he, Kevin didn't want to tell me to cut half of the book. Like he, he struggled with even telling it to me. Um, and I, I thanked him for it, even though it was hard to hear. Um, and I didn't tell him I was going to do it. I took some time and thought about it. Um, but I know plenty of people who wouldn't have even taken the time. They would have just said, nah, nah, this is my story. I'm, I'm doing, this is what I'm doing. Um, so, so yeah, I, I think it is possible, but I don't know that how many people take it seriously to the level that it should be, if that, if that makes sense. Makes complete sense. Uh, Brennan has no hesitations, and uh, and I don't either with him about telling each other how we feel about each other's work. And there's mo- there's motivational comments in there too, but uh, yeah, some of them are pretty funny. Just you can't get as honest with some people as you can with a close relationship like you guys have or like we have, and that's awesome. And once you got that, never let it go. Um. Brendan, before we go on to upcoming projects, you got anything? No, go ahead and take us. Lee, did we cover everything for your upcoming projects? Yeah, I I, I think so. Yeah. Um, got quite a few short stories in the go and um, a couple of articles and yeah, no, I I'm busy. I'm busy. I've got yeah, pretty much are. everything contracted for a while. So, um, but um, yeah, I, I usually put something free up every, in my newsletter every now and again. And um, so, if anyone wants to sign on to that, they can just find my website, leemurray.info. And that usually keeps people up to date on sort of where I am on podcasts and, and conferences and, and what have you. So, we're in, in person in New Zealand. So, I'm in a, about three or four conferences coming up in New Zealand just in person. So that's kind of exciting. Nice. I've been missing that. Yeah, yeah. How many mentees do you have right now? Right now, um, just one. Oh. And um, and she is a, is a um, yeah, well, actually, that's not true. I have, <laughs> I have 
you know, all of the mentees that went before, but also um, I have about six, but but six, but five, four or five of them are winding up, which is really rather nice. And I've got one that's in the middle of her, one from the HWA, and she is a journalist. And so she is unlearning telling because all, you know, all the journalism she's done has been entirely telling, being very factual. And now she's moving into something very, so she's very good at that. So it's <laughs> very hard to unlearn. Um, very clever lady. And I think it's going to be a very good piece, but it's very, it's, it's, it's a long haul when you have to unlearn something first and and go forward. But just the one one mentee that's really in the guts of their work at the moment, which is quite refreshing for me because sometimes I'm juggling quite a few. <laughs> Darren, what, what are your upcoming projects? Um, so the the novel that uh, I wrote and that Lee uh, helped me edit, basically, um, I'm shopping that one currently. Uh, that was the uh, Supernatural crime to war um a lot of uh, lovecraftian sort of cosmic horror themes um <clears throat> then i am uh, i have two projects with another author um e lorne uh we wrote one book that we are also shopping uh, which should be out this year actually uh that one is uh the wicked rex of the west uh, which is a mashup of uh, the Wizard of Oz and Jurassic Park, of all things. Uh, it's, Fantastic. It, it is, it is uh, as wacky as it sounds. Uh, it's really dark. Uh, I'm, we're not sure if it's quite horror. We think it's probably more dark fiction. Uh, we were thinking bizarro, but it, it not, it's not quite that bizarre. Um, and then, uh, so that one's done. And then we are finishing our second... Uh, collaboration, uh, which is a mashup, um, and I guess I should say we've, we've basically decided that all of the projects we're going to do are going to be mashups of uh, two different properties, ge like generally speaking. Um, so we uh, we actually put a Twitter poll up um, back <laughs> at the beginning of the year just yep. to see what, kind of, what kind of <laughs> things people, uh, you know, Throw us, you know, throw us your ideas. Like, what are two franchises you would like to see thrown together? And we got some pretty crazy uh, suggestions, which I wrote all of them down. I've got a list now that we can pull from for years to come. Um, so the second one uh, that we're almost done with is a uh, mashup of Gremlins and I Am Legend. That's awesome. Uh, which is has been really interesting. Um he has talked about it a bit on Twitter, and I honestly think it's the best thing I've ever written, to be honest. Um, it's really dark, um, but it's a very character-driven story, much more so than I would have thought. Um, you know, if you think Gremlins, I'm, I was thinking it was going to be, like the first book, kind of funny and weird, but it's, it's much more of a, a the personal story of people surviving, you know, an apocalypse. It's just, it's not zombies, it's Gremlins. <laughs> Um, Fantastic! Oh, yeah, I want to read yeah. that. It, it's, it's interesting. Um, it, I think so. Thinking about that book, um, and what surprised me the most is how little the gremlins are in it. They're not actually gremlins. We can't call them gremlins, um, but the, the creatures aren't in it as much. I kind of think about it in terms of uh, how the you know the zombie genre has sort of evolved, where you know the zombies are there and they're the menace but they're not really the villains, right? It's the people. Mm. The, the actual people are the problem, not the zombies. Um, the zombies are slow. They're not hard to, they're not hard to, you know, kill. 
you know, the gremlins are, you know, a foot tall. They're not hard to kick into the foot, you know, out of the way. Um, it's the people <laughs> that, that, that you have to worry about. And that's absolutely what we found um, with the story. And it's, yeah, it's, it's been really cool. Um, and then once we're done, we, I think our next one is going to be, and I don't even know how we're going to do this, um, Dead Space, the video game, mm. uh, mashed up with the Jungle Book. <laughs> so, I'm, yeah, I have gonna no give idea. the children nightmares. Yeah, I have no idea what how that's gonna go, but I'm I'm excited to, to jump into it. I'm pretty sure no one else is doing that, so yeah, I think no, you're no good to else. go. <laughs> that, that was that was why we talked about because you know we had such a, such a good time with that first one. We're like, no one's doing this sort of story. Um, we were going to do something totally different because we just we really meshed as far as write, our writing styles. Um, and then it just sort of clicked. It's like no one else is doing this. Like this is a, a genre unto unto itself. Um, so we decided let's just lean into it. Right. Let's just be the, the, the mashup guys. And that's kind of the, you know, the way we're going with it. Mashup Half-Life with a with another movie. I don't know if you played that video video game. All right, yeah, uh, it might be, that might be on the list. I, I literally, I think I have thirty suggestions or more. So, <laughs> let's talk about what we're currently reading. Who would like to go first? I'll go first. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I am starting a new one tonight. It's, I believe, a a novella. Um, or it's a short novel. It is The Goddess of Filth by V. Castro. And I've only heard really good things about that. So I'm really looking towards that. Um, let's see. I just finished other books. So, yes, yeah, that's, that's kind of the only one on my, my plate for right now. Uh, Lee, what are, what are you reading? Yeah, I'm just thinking, I think I've blurbed three books this week, and I'm just trying to think what <laughs> oh they are. They're just, um, I, I did uh, Kraken Fever, which is coming next week from um, Angela Eureka Smith and Kyra Starr, and it's actually a poetry, a dark poetry collection, so it was amazing. It was amazing, really different, so I really enjoyed that. Um, yeah, who else, who else did I read this week? I've got, I've, yeah. Yeah, so I should. Yeah, three should, blurbs should, in one week—that's crazy. Yeah, well, actually, I've been editing a, a youth nov anthology this this um, this week, and it's been huge. You know, we we I I've I've been doing it a decade, working with young people, and this particular project, we give all of the students feedback on their stories and I had 122 to do and so it was a lot of reading and a lot of a lot of writing so my brain is a bit mushed so I apologize to the people whose books I should be shouting out right now that I that I that I haven't so I I read a lot I read a lot and I wish I could put my finger on the half a dozen books that I have been reading this week um no they're not in my head that's all right no, not a problem. Darren, how about you, man? Um, so my my reading schedule is interesting because, uh, with, you know, with two, two kids, it's hard to even work in time to read. So I do most of my reading either at bedtime when I'm putting my kids to bed and I read on my phone uh, or uh, when I take a 10, 15-minute break from work. Um, so I'm usually reading a couple different things. I'm reading one thing when I'm putting them to bed and one thing here. 
so physical book I'm reading uh, Girl of Prey by Pete Risley uh, from Grindhouse Press. Just started it. It's uh, it's pretty good. Uh, I was just kind of drawn to the cover originally, and in, in this yeah, it's a cool cover. Uh, and then I'm just about finished with uh, on an ebook uh, Chris Sorensen's The Nightmare Room, uh, the first book in the mm. Messy Man series. I'm finishing that right now. Uh, and then slowly but surely, I'm making my way through the President's book. Uh, and it's 800 pages, so it's, it's going to take a little while for me. Uh, <laughs> oh my god! At my at my reading pace, so um, yeah. And he crossed really out any though. filtering in What's his that? book. He crossed out any filtering in there. No, no, not really. It's it's really well, <laughs> it's really well written. Uh, it's really well written. Yeah, I mean, unlike uh, you know another president, he's a uh, he's a smart man. So. <laughs> <laughs> It's 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 enlightening though. Like uh, there's some of the stuff that you know he, he talks about in there. It's uh, it's it's amazing. Um, yeah, definitely things you don't you know you wouldn't have known. Like he, he starts all the way back when he was running for Chicago um, state, you know, Senate and and House, and and just like his whole progression before he before he was president. It's it's really interesting, and just That's- like. A lot of the same stuff that we talk about, like how much of his life he had to sacrifice to to do the things he wanted to do, not being around, you know, for his kids during the week because he was going. You know, I forget where uh, where the seat is in Chicago or in Illinois. It's not in Chicago. He lived in Chicago, but the the state house was, you know, four or five hours away. Where I can't remember what city it is, um, but he talked about, you know, he basically had an apartment. They lived in during the week, and he'd have to come back on the weekend to spend time with the family. So he missed a lot, and it's 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 a lot of stuff that we do, right? We we have to make those decisions sometimes. Like, I want to spend as much time with my kids, but I also want to get some writing done. So yeah. you have to make those trade offs. So yeah, yeah, I could have a, another episode just on that subject alone, man. Brennan, yeah, sorry, Lee, go ahead. I was gonna say you gotta you've got to live to write. Yeah. You've got to experience some things that you, you can't write. So That's yeah. true. Yeah. I wouldn't have minded the eighty was it eighty million dollar advance though? That would Oh yeah, yeah, nice, for sure. You know? <laughs> I could have written that for eighty million dollars. Yeah. I'm sure I could have come up with something. And, <laughs> um, and it's just book one. There's another one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm just thinking of that. You could you could uh, afford to go live for a while and then yeah. come back and write it. <laughs> Um, I am currently reading, uh, we have just scheduled our 100th episode with, uh, Mr. Joe Lansdale. So I am working through the complete drive-in right now. Uh, Patrick appears to be frozen, so I hope this is still recording. Otherwise, (laughs) Um, and I'm going to also do a shameless self-promotion. I just got this in the mail today. Uh, Pro Liscariot edited by... A whole bunch of great people, including Ian Bain, uh, who's a name you might know. Um, and, you know, I have a story in here, but truth be told, I'm reading this right now not to reread my own work. That seems very arrogant and pompous. I'm I'm <laughs> reading it because uh, it's got stories by Haley Piper in it. It's got story uh, story by Laurel Hightower, Joanna Koch. Uh, 
it's killer and i'm completely and utterly honored to be in you know the same table of contents as those three and many more really good writers that are in there i like the cover yeah, yeah gorgeous yep yeah, and so Ian's in that one. He's the same. He's the same mentor, um, um, you know, period as Darren. So, mm. yeah, fantastic. That's great news. Uh, yeah, uh, I liked his short story, Snap. I wanted to read. I wish it was longer, but I know you got to work at count in there that you have to hit. So, but I liked it. He's got some more um, stuff coming. He's got some more stuff coming. So yeah, I think he's I he's very he's doing very well. I think it's very promising. So it's uh, he he um and, and his mentorship because he's a teacher and he he was writing this. Oh, Darren will know because he they did some sh- they did some swaps. But um he was writing this novella about uh well scarecrows, you know, zombie scarecrows as you do, and uh, from a from a YA perspective, and he had just kind of missed the opportunity to use that voice um, that young people have, bec- and as a teacher, he had incredible opportunity to sort of listen in and, and use it, so um, he rewrote his whole novella and it's come out really sharp and so I, I happen to know that he's placed it, or it's, it's a long short story now, it started as a novella and he did a bit like Darren, you know, cut a third off it, um, and he has had that picked up. So I can't say anything more because I don't know if it's been announced yet. But he's a very promising writer. I'm very excited for him. That's fantastic. Yeah, I remember you saying that in your uh, article that you wrote for Kindle Reviews, talking about the scarecrows, and I'm like, this sounds kind of funny. And it sounds very intriguing. Like I want to know what he does with that in a YA scope or lens. <laughs> Now, let's go to where can people follow you guys? Yeah, I'm kind of on social media, but leemurray.info is my website, so I'm That's everywhere. L-E-E-M-U-R-R-A-Y. That's it. How about you, Darren? <laughs> um, pretty much Twitter, uh, <clears throat> and my, my handle is Darren K 77 D-A-R-O-N-K-77. Um, I'm on Facebook too. I'm not there a lot. Um, haven't haven't set up a uh, a web page yet, but I do own my domain, so at some point that will yeah, be get onto that. that get that onto that. that <laughs> Next job. Yeah. You heard it, man. She's a mentor. <laughs> no, I got. It means I got to do it. Now, if you are interested in getting my mug on a coffee mug, or on a mask, or quite a few other things, go to deadheadspace.com. Click on the store tab. You can check out the merchandise. Uh, don't get it for kids. My face is scary. Looks like a zombie. <laughs> <laughs> I want to know if you guys have any final thoughts, opinions, comments, sounds, or anything else before we wrap this up. Um, I, I think I'll finish with the same way I finished the article, which is, you know, if you're if you're thinking about if you're thinking about doing it, if you're thinking about, you know finding a mentor if you, if you struggle if you struggle i see people talking all the time on on twitter you know like how do i find beta readers how do i find people to, to read my stuff um you know find whatever your genre find uh something like the horror writers association join it and and join a mentor program you know working with someone who has been doing it is invaluable uh, it, it, there's no other way to put it um you know, I, I said that I've said that before. You know, I, I've 
spent years studying writing and, and, and literature. And I feel like I learned more in the four months with Lee than I did, you know, for years, just because it was so personalized. Uh, so yeah, I, I would say, you know, do it, do it and be open-minded. How about you, Lee? Yeah, I think on the other side of the coin, you know, there is always more mentees than mentors. And, you know, I think that there are a lot of us that have skills that could step up that don't. Um, and, you know, there's the, people are screaming out for help. And But also there is so much to learn when you do it. And it's a reciprocal sort of thing. So um, not to be frightened. You don't have to be uh, a New York Times bestseller. You, you don't have, you know, you don't have to know everything. You just have to know something. And you just have to be a little bit ahead of, well, not ahead, but you need to have done something that perhaps your mentee hasn't. So when you go to the, you know, approach those places, let them know what your skills are, where you feel confident, you know, and areas that you don't feel confident. I was once, um, you know, I was once paired with someone who was looking for, you know, connections into the, the screenwriting, horror screenwriting. And I said, I have none of those skills. So don't match me. He's going to be disappointed, you know. Um, and I think, so, you know, fit is really important. So, you know, if you're, a, if you think you've got some skills and you don't have to be, you know, way down the track to have skills, then definitely put, put your hand up, you know, and they're screaming out for help. And, and you could end up with a relationship like Darren and mine, where we've become friends and, you know, and it's, it's, you know, connection is what horror is all about. So, you know, um, put your hand up, get connected. That's, that's what I would say. Fantastic. Brennan, any final thoughts or so forth? Uh, I would I would thank you guys both for spending your uh, whatever the hell night this is. It's a Tuesday. Spending your uh, Tuesday night, unless you are Lee and you are in the future, and it's Wednesday uh, morning or early afternoon. Afternoon. Uh, <laughs> thank you guys for spending some time with us. You know, Lee, you're a delight. I'm so happy we could have you on. And Darren, you're a wonderful dude. I'm glad we could make this happen. We appreciate it. Thanks for having us. Thank you so much for having us. It's, it's been a delight. Absolutely. And, and definitely echo that. So next episode, episode 92, is with Vic LeMay Mist this Thursday. Stay tuned for that. And I would just like to end with this. It is on uh, Lee's article. While director Steven Spielberg states the delicate art of being a mentor is not creating them in your own image, but giving them the opportunity to create themselves. Now, we cover that quite thoroughly, and by we, I mean Darren and Lee. So thank you for that. Thank you for your time. I hope that this helps quite a few people, and I'm sure it will. And you got many choices, listeners and podcasts. Thank you for choosing us. You are now leaving Deadhead Space.